0: Hello everyone and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator Jessica Bard with Consultant 360, Specialty Network. According to the most recent surveillance data from the CDC, rates of acute hepatitis C increased in 2019 with more than 4,000 acute cases reported in the United States. The highest rate occurred in people aged 20 to 39 years, consistent with age groups most impacted by the nation's opioid crisis. Dr. Paul Kuo is here to speak with us about his study, Current and Future Strategies for the Treatment of Chronic Hepatitis C. Dr. Kuo is a professor of medicine at Stanford University in Stanford, California. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Kuo. How has the treatment of hepatitis C evolved?
1: Yes, this is an important question and one that really lends itself to why we have hepatitis C elimination efforts. So historically, hepatitis C was treated with rather crude drugs uh, that were based on a injectable drug called interferon. And we typically gave interferon for up to a year with another medicine that had a considerable side effect profile called ribavirin. And overall, you're able to cure and you do cure hepatitis C. That's an important concept that people need to know. You can be reinfected, but you really do get cured of hepatitis C if you're successfully treated. And so... The cure rates with our interferon therapies that lasted a year were about 50%. But some of the therapies um, duration were very, very difficult to tolerate for some individuals. There were a lot of individuals who have hepatitis C, who have other comorbid illnesses, say depression, anxiety, maybe heart disease. And these individuals could not take the interferon just due to the side effects. And so even though you're able to successfully treat about half of people with hepatitis C with interferon, there was a large pool of individuals that weren't just even in the the pool for consideration for treatment. And so what has happened over the last decade is that we have now added specifically targeted direct acting antiviral agents that interfere with the replication of the hepatitis C virus. And rather than stimulating the immune system to clear the hepatitis C virus, now what we do is we go directly to interfering with the hepatitis C replication. And because hepatitis C replicates very, very quickly, if you shut down the hepatitis C replication with these medicines, you can actually successfully treat or cure somebody in as little as eight to 12 weeks time. And rather than 50%, durations of or success rates, 50% success rates, we're now looking at success rates of 95% or above. And now these success rates are no longer limited or constrained by people who have to be able to tolerate the interferon. There are virtually there are virtually no populations that can't take these direct acting antiviral agents now and achieve sustained response. And hence, that is why hepatitis C has the potential, doesn't mean it will happen, but it actually has the potential to be a disease that can be eliminated without a successful vaccine. So growing up, we hear about polio, smallpox, there's a variety of these diseases that are really well controlled with vaccination. And we don't have a successful vaccination for hepatitis C. There was a very interesting paper recently that was published that showed that there was some progress being made, but still it didn't prevent infection. This is a disease with the tools we have now that we actually could potentially eliminate hepatitis C worldwide with just treating the large pool of individuals
0: or infected. It sounds like hepatitis C is straightforward to treat at this time and as you talked about there is a cure but why is it so difficult to eliminate on a global scale more specifically why and in what ways does diagnosis of hepatitis C and treatment of patients with hepatitis C need to be decentralized as you mentioned in your research.
1: Yes. So the biggest gap in eliminating hepatitis C right now is that A substantial number of individuals are not yet diagnosed. And so you can't treat those that are not diagnosed. And so there have been efforts worldwide to try and identify these people. And in the United States and elsewhere, people have used different strategies. So sometimes you use risk based uh, screenings. That means that if you have a history of injection drug use or some other high risk behavior, you should be screened. More and more. We're now evolving toward universal screening. And in fact, in the United States, for instance, our U.S. Preventative Services Task Force actually recommended a one-time test for people who are aged 18 to 79 to try to identify these individuals. In addition, we are contending here in the U.S. as well as worldwide with an opiate epidemic you may read about individuals, and it's really a tragedy, young individuals who are dying of opiate overdoses. And these individuals who get addicted to opiates and don't have access to opiate substitution therapy or needle syringe programs uh, wind up getting infected with hepatitis C. And indeed, my belief is that we're going to see, and there's already preliminary data Uh, that the pandemic that we've had this last year with the SARS-CoV-2 virus is going to probably further exacerbate this. And we will probably see more cases of hepatitis C, particularly for some individuals who have opiate use disorder. They may have had their ecosystem and their support system And unfortunately, one consequence of the pandemic has been many of these support systems have really been disrupted. As people shelter, they're not able to interact with other individuals. So this is a challenge for everybody worldwide. In addition there were not enough specialists to treat all of the hepatitis C that's out there. And so, as you very nicely noted, uh, we're starting to decentralize care. And that means rather than use the model or paradigm that we have used for years and years and years, decades, where uh, people travel to institutions all across the world to get their assessments and their treatment initiated, and they visit university centers of excellent hepatitis specialists, We're now, because of the simplicity of this uh, current treatment, we're now decentralizing and we're trying to bring hepatitis C care to the individuals where they have contact with the um, healthcare system. So for instance, if you present to a harm reduction needle opiate substitution clinic, then you should uh, hopefully have access there to a diagnosis of hepatitis C. And if need be, uh, you should be treated For your hepatitis C, there. The important aspect here is that we can not only successfully treat these individuals, but also link them to harm reduction so that these individuals can, in addition to getting successfully treated, you can make sure that number one, they don't reinfect themselves, but number two, helpfully also address some of the chaotic issues that often involve the individuals who are infected with uh, hepatitis C. Uh, we now know, and there have been multiple studies that have shown that you can actually uh, treat these individuals. uh, And as long as they take the medicines, despite many other comorbidities, uh, the uh, treatment will be successful. And we get, if people take their medicines, the therapies are equally uh, effective and efficacious in this population as it is in the registration trials, which made all the news when we showed the cure rates were above 95%. But again, this is going to involve engaging individuals who don't always have readily available access to healthcare system.
0: Now, how can treating hepatitis C comorbidities assist in hepatitis C treatment adherence?
1: Yes. So there are multiple models for this. That's an excellent question. And so what we need to do is that we need to, like I said, bring hepatitis C care to the community. And so this means that we're using a variety of techniques. Um, So for instance, um, there are models where we use telehealth. So um, there is a, a project echo, which is just one Example, uh, we'll go over a few uh, where we have hepatitis specialists that can interact with a variety of addiction clinics and, and uh, uh, just a variety of rural healthcare providers, particularly in areas where there are high rates of um, opiate use disorder. And you you bring the hepatitis C care to them. You you work with the people who are caring for these individuals directly. You you guide them in their diagnosis. And again, the medicines are straightforward enough that uh, they are certainly able to uh, treat successfully these individuals. But again, to successfully treat them, multiple studies have shown you have to incorporate harm reduction measures into this. That is that if you don't address the opiate use disorder or other behavior is is going on, then the likelihood that you're going to achieve sustained response, that individuals will be compliant with therapy, it's going to be much lower. And so other strategies have included introducing a patient to a patient navigator, for instance, who can help them through their process of obtaining medicines, check in on them that they're taking their medicine. Some people have used uh, a technique that we uh, used frequently in treating another infectious disease, tuberculosis, where we have something called directly observed therapy. Somebody comes and, and they observe that the individual is taking the medicine. Again, the beauty of treatment for uh, hepatitis C is if you take the medicines, uh, they will work. To eliminate this disease, though, uh, we will need to engage individuals in parts of the, our healthcare system that don't always have the best infrastructure uh, to address some of the issues that contribute to the hepatitis C epidemic.
0: Why is this topic so important to research and really understand?
1: Yes, this topic is important because hepatitis C contributes to substantial morbidity and mortality worldwide. So viral hepatitis B and C um, are the driving forces for liver cancer. For instance, in the United States, it's still the leading cause of liver cancer, which is still one of our leading indications for transplantation nowadays. And hepatitis C worsens people's quality of life. And again, we have an opportunity here uh, by seeking out and treating these individuals to really reduce morbidity, mortality, healthcare costs. And there are, again, few diseases that one can think of in our lifetime that we actually do cure. Right. I mean, just imagine, for instance, we have a cure for diabetes you had a cure for hypertension. Uh, you know, this is just so, something that just doesn't happen. I will give you another example, for instance, and in just gastroenterology. Um, we have another disease, uh, which you may have even covered, called helicobacter gastropathy or gastritis. It causes ulcers, but it's the same thing. We know antibiotics work, and for instance, it's, it's wonderful for that. So when I was a medical student, we had hospital wards filled with people with ulcer disease and needing surgeries. We now know that we treat helicobacter, that the ulcer risk goes away. And now it's such a rare occurrence that you would have somebody in the hospital with an ulcer. And so uh, again, that kind of impact really shows us that by appropriately intervening, that uh, we'll be able to markedly reduce the burden of disease. And again, worldwide, remember the U.S. has uh, some hepatitis C, but you know, we're Uh, not one of the areas that is um, most significantly uh, affected by by this, but we've shown by intervening, for instance, that you can really impact on a large scale hepatitis C if you have the infrastructure to do this. And this was, I think, best demonstrated recently in a study that came from Egypt where people, uh, they created an infrastructure and they um, screened almost 50 million individuals And they had negotiated discounts for the hepatitis C testing, as well as the direct acting antiviral agents. These therapies now worldwide can be available through low-cost generics, which have been created through collaborations with the hepatitis C drug manufacturers. And, And the therapies now, which, as you know, at one time were quite expensive, now are extremely inexpensive. They were able to successfully treat individuals with hepatitis C. And, you know, Egypt, which is a, if you will, a low to medium income country is on the pathway now to eliminate hepatitis C. And they had at one time probably the highest prevalence in the world of hepatitis C. And recently, you know, their efforts, they were able to successfully treat over 500,000 individuals through a national effort. By administering successfully that kind of policy and implementing uh, that kind of policy, Uh, they are going to change the natural history of the disease for hundreds of thousands of individuals and allow those resources now that would have been devoted to treating for these individuals as they develop hepatitis C complications. Now those resources can be devoted to other diseases. And as you know, there are plenty of challenges that all countries face with regard to our health.
0: What's next for research on this topic? And what are some of the challenges going forward to get to hepatitis C elimination?
1: Yes. So let's talk about some of the challenges that we really need to look at. To So we still need better point of care evaluation of individuals with hepatitis C. So one of, the, one of the most important aspects is that in many parts of the world, we have point of care tests on a blood plot that you can measure and diagnose that you have an antibody to hepatitis C. What we really need to show is you have the circulating virus. And so that's an area of intense research. So because particularly as we treat more and more individuals with hepatitis C, as you know, you have an antibody, which means that you were exposed to something, but that doesn't mean you necessarily have the disease. Particularly as we treat more and more individuals, we're seeing more and more people who are antibody positive but actually don't have the virus. Okay, either they got rid of it spontaneously, which happens 20% of the time, those people are always very fortunate, or some of these individuals are coming through screening programs and were actually previously successfully treated. What you really need, uh, one area of research that's very, very important is an area where you could actually have a point of care test where you actually demonstrate that the virus is present. There are assays out there now such as what is called the hepatitis C core antigen that may be able to be utilized so that you can go to areas that are resource poor and just simply use a blood spot, demonstrate that you have a hepatitis C virus, that's it. Then you receive your treatment. Some have even advocated that you could, for instance, uh, even treat in certain areas, if, the, if you have a lot of hepatitis C, you could just use the antibody Sure, 10% of the time you may take, you may take a 12-week or eight-week course of medicine and you would actually don't have the hepatitis C, but 90% of the time you would. Um, but th- that's one way, if you will, to try to um, make sure that you know, all hepatitis C that is found is actually successfully treated. So that's one area of research. Much more research needs to be done in how to engage individuals who may not be able to comply with therapy. So another very interesting area is what are the best and optimal models of care? That is, um, should we be assigning, if you will, as we said earlier, patient navigators? Uh, Should we we be using perhaps text reminders? How can we best incorporate harm reduction measures with our hepatitis C treatment? Because multiple studies now, and this is a consistent theme, um, is that if you engage somebody in harm reduction, your opportunity to achieve a sustained response, which again is a cure, is actually very, very high. And then finally, uh, an area that people are just beginning to explore now is whether or not we can create from our hepatitis C uh, direct acting antiviral agent uh, therapies, whether we can create potentially even depots so that you don't have to worry that they're not taking their medicines. That is, if you have hepatitis C if you could have some kind of long-acting uh, medicine that you could give, that would just allow you to administer it once, let them go on their way, and be treated. Um, that I think would go a long way to addressing some of the compliance issues. Or you know, even some patients, not that they comply. You know, if you're homeless, if you have some of these challenges, and you have hepatitis C, it's just very hard to be able to carry around a large number of pills with you and not have them. Uh, Get lost, and it would be wonderful if we could assemble ways or reformulate some of these uh, therapies in such a manner that we could just make sure that uh, after one administration, uh, that these individuals can be uh, successfully treated. So, uh, again, if we can engage these individuals, most importantly now, the big gap is still diagnosis. We need to find them, and we need to engage individuals, um, particularly. Uh, those who have opiate use disorders, because this is the big population that is going to need care. We will need to make sure that nationally in the U.S. that there's no barriers to hepatitis C. You know, states actually have over time reduced their barriers to hepatitis C treatment, but there are still restrictions that can vary across states and these need to be uh, these need to be reduced and eliminated. That is, if you have hepatitis C, you just need to be treated period. And I, I think if we can create a national policy that addresses some of these shortcomings, then perhaps with resources and hard work we'll be able, to get on track to eliminate hepatitis C and make this a disease that we don't really need to discuss anymore.
0: Some of those ideas really do sound like they would be game changers and really life-changing for people. Is there anything else that you would like to add that you think that we missed?
1: Just that if you have hepatitis C, we need to continue to make efforts to reduce the stigma that are associated with hepatitis C. Um, As we tell individuals, some of whom just can't believe they have hepatitis C, you know it, it it's an infection, and it is one of the diseases that can be cured, and that if you're cured, if you have scarring in the liver, um, most of the people with scarring in the liver, the scarring can improve and/ or it goes away. The liver is a very robust organ and it can heal itself. Of course, there are points of no return, but that for people with hepatitis C, we have the tools to eliminate hepatitis C now. We now need to create the infrastructure to try to find these individuals and get them successfully treated while, again, evolving our care plans to take care of those who may not be able to engage with the current therapies in such a way to allow them to successfully achieve sustained response. Much work to be done, but the future looks bright.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today. I know your time is valuable, so we really appreciate you being here with us today.
1: Thank you for having me.